0: Hey, it's Jay. My wife and I just welcomed our first daughter into the world, our first baby, back in November. And her name is Arya, And we're obsessed. And that got me thinking about, well, about everything in life, really. But mostly I did what I so often do when I think about life. (laughs) And I went right to the big, sweeping question. Why are people so happy when they have kids? Why do kids fulfill their parents so much? I love you, little girl. (laughs) What is it about children that causes so much happiness that if we could just identify it and isolate it, we could find ways to experience that same feeling everywhere, not just by having kids? Well, I I have the perfect story to help us figure that out. And I wanted to tell you that today. It's a little bit different than the exploration we've been on so far this year on the show, but I think this is a worthy story to tell, because it affects all of us, and most importantly, it affects those around us. It's sweet, it's gut-wrenching, it's deep, it's unthinkable. Stories of conventional thinking at work, and the people who dare to question it. I'm Jay Aconzo, to most of you, and Daddy to one. It was 2013, and Alex Cook's grandfather had been in four, five, maybe six fender benders in his car. It was hard to keep track. And I want to get Alex's grandfather's name right here. I was told it's hard to pronounce, but Terrell, Terrell, T-I-R-R-E-L. Sorry if I got that wrong, Cook family. So Terrell loved to drive, but his age was quickly making that a challenge. Fortunately, and perhaps somewhat unusually for somebody in their late 80s, he recognized that fact and voluntarily decided to stop driving. It was good timing by him. Right around then, I I had
1: sort of reached a great place in my life where I had a lot of flexibility in my schedule. And um, I just decided, hey, like, I'm going to go hang out with Grandpa every other week. That'd be cool.
0: It started with Alex running errands with his grandfather, going to the bank, going to the grocery store.
1: Every time we went to the grocery store, he would, like, interrupt everybody who was, like, shopping. (laughs) And he'd be like, hey, this is my oldest grandson. He's helping me shop. And then he would go on to um, brag about, like, you know, all of his grandkids and his great-grandkids. He was just amazing like that.
0: Alex is seeing this kind of simple and pure and amazing reaction from his grandfather because of what? his grandson helping him grocery shop. Nothing crazy or difficult or showy, simple, but proactive. In these moments, Alex sees just how much his grandfather lit up about what he was doing for him. And he gets really interested in other ways he could spend meaningful time with Terrell and add meaningful value to his life.
1: So eventually my aunt, my Auntie Ellen, she's like a genealogy buff. And she sort of caught wind that I was hanging out with grandpa all the time. And she and I did like this one hour phone call where she basically taught me like everything she knows about genealogy interviews. And my great-grandmother, she, uh, when she
0: passed away- Okay, so at this had, point, like, you need to know something about Alex. When he gets into things, he gets really, um, really down, into things. Generations, like, into For instance, the Alex once spent a few months sure. obsessing over the future of beard care. He did all kinds of research on the exact right kinds of oils to use and tools to maintain the best-looking beard, and even built out a little bit of a, a side project online to potentially turn that into a business where he'd sell packages of different beard care products. During other conversations, Alex could be found talking excitedly about fat bikes. Those are the bicycles with really huge tires. Alex owns multiple, and he loves to ride them up and down the beach near his home in Plymouth, Massachusetts. If it's not Fat Bikes, maybe he's going on and on about mushrooms. Yeah, mushrooms. Like the kind that you eat, like for food, not not the other kind. And specifically, Alex was really into chicken of the woods, not hen of the woods, which you may have seen on the menus at restaurants populated by some hipsters who really could use some good beard oil. Now, chicken of the woods is different than hen of the woods, and it's much harder to grow, which of course made Alex even more obsessed with them. But most of these obsessions go away pretty quickly, and then Alex just flits to the next idea. But his longest-running passion as an adult is probably software. Alex has been a tech entrepreneur since 2010. He's launched a couple different software startups, one of which attracted some notable angel investors around the Boston tech community. One such investor, a guy by the name of Darmesh Shah, the co-founder and CTO of HubSpot, eventually expressed an interest in acquiring Alex's 2013 startup, RentAbilities. It wasn't for the technology or the revenue. The technology was pretty basic and the revenue was pretty nil. But Darmesh wanted to bring on the talent. Alex and his younger brother, Andy. This is known in a tech world as an hire. There's not much of a financial benefit to the entrepreneurs, but they're able to park their startup at a more successful company and go and work for that business. So Alex worked at HubSpot on the product team for the following year before leaving to tinker on his own products again. And I tell you all of this to point out that I was not shocked at all that a guy who obsessed over beard oils and tough to grow mushrooms and fat bikes and software is currently consumed by, of all things, genealogy. Because of course he is. Because Alex. After that hour-long call with his Auntie Ellen, learning about genealogy, and inspired by his grandfather's excited bragging at the grocery store, this concept became his new obsession.
1: So my Auntie Ellen, like, encouraged me to
0: set up, basically, an interview with my grandfather. To learn more about his life and to show him a bunch of photos that he and his Auntie Ellen had recently rediscovered, which Terrell thought were lost.
1: So, I went over to my parents' place and, like, kicked the heat up to, like, 90 degrees. And, uh, and then I went to go get my grandfather. Because grandpa likes it hot. Yeah. <laughs> and my parents' home is actually,
0: they purchased it from my great-grandmother. Um, so, you're in the house of the woman who originally took these photos. Yes. And you're bringing her son, your, your grandfather back into the home to do the interview about these photos, wow. Yeah, my
1: mom's like obsessed with the porch. She does these porch dinners and like, it's just amazing.
0: Alex went and picked up his grandfather and brought him back to the beautiful old house with the porch, now at a balmy 90 degrees or so. And Alex sat his grandfather down and began showing him the old photos.
1: I was basically like astonished at how well my grandpa was able to remember like nearly everyone in every photo. Probably the best example of this was this, like, childhood photo of my grandfather and all of his cousins at this lake.
0: Which the great-grandmother had purchased when she was 19 years old. Seriously, it is unfair to all of us living right now what's happened to real estate in the United States. She bought a lake at 19 years old? Anyway.
1: And his parents would actually pick the kids up, like, straight from school on the last day of school. She would take my grandfather, his two brothers, and their dog, Rusty... And then they would stay at this cottage all summer with no other homes around. In that moment, like unpeeling these photos, going back in time, my grandfather at 93 years old was able to ID every single person in these photos, people he hadn't seen in like 70 years. Like it was just incredible. And and he
0: and I both like lost our minds about his mind. What was it like to actually experience that? Like when you're there viewing that happen, what are you feeling or thinking in that moment? I I was just mind blown. Like I I can't even
1: imagine myself looking at a childhood photo of my own and being able to ID every single kid in the photo. And I just, it redefined how I look at like the human mind in old age and and that was just the beginning
0: after that every time alex saw his grandfather he would remember all these intricate details of alex's life it was like his brain was suddenly recharged by the memories of those photos that one fateful day and now he was seeing the present more clearly
1: almost like in the way that like a best friend would um so he would he would follow up like if i were to mention this interview to him he would have he would have like had my grandmother call me yesterday to check in to like wish me luck he would have like if i were to see him tomorrow he he would have asked me like how it went like he was like that um i was just like all right how do i do this like once a week How, how can i design my life to do this as often as possible because this is awesome to see somebody this happy like how how can i maximize this in my life
0: So getting back to that first fateful day at the house when Alex showed his grandfather all those photos, he then decided to drive his grandfather home later that afternoon.
1: He was like, thank you you know, so much for doing that. I can't believe that I, I, I haven't seen these photos in like 70 years. And then he was like, Alex, uh, I'll write you a thank you note. And I was like, no, no, grandpa, don't worry about it. Like, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear right here in the car right now. No need for a thank you note. Like, let's just focus on what are we gonna do next? (laughs) And on that same ride home is when he started to pontificate on his dog. And he was like, Alex, when I was a kid, my dad, he was an attorney. He had this client like who couldn't pay the bills and this client, like he was a hunter and he was like down on the lake, like we used to let the hunters come. And they they would do duck hunting. And, like, you know, they would throw us, like, a free duck or whatever. And um, this client, like, he couldn't pay his bills. So he turned to my father and said, I can't pay the bills, but how do you feel about, like, taking one of these gun-shy dogs? And my father, he talked to my mother, and they worked it out, and she agreed. And he was a beautiful dog, beautiful dog, like, (laughs) curly hair, like, red coat. He was so well-mannered, like, and I know, I know that we took some photos of Rusty, but I haven't seen those photos in like 50 years. And he's like, man, I would love to see my dog Rusty again.
0: The search for Rusty and a bizarre turn after this quick break. Hey, so I don't normally do this, but I want to make sure that you know about a new project I'm launching. It's called Marketing Showrunners, and it's a monthly newsletter dedicated to advancing the craft and creativity of marketers making shows. Here's the deal. We're living through this era of profound change. The marketing mandate is no longer grab attention. Those who focus on simply grabbing attention act in all these frenetic ways that often devolve into volume or even spam. It's like digging a hole in dry sand, nothing is made to stick. In a world of infinite choice, our mandate can no longer be to simply grab people's attention. Instead, our jobs are to hold it. And I love that this is our job now because there's no gaming that system. There's no room for the hucksters, the hackers, the spammers. For people to stick around with the work we create, we have to deliver something genuinely worth their time. So for marketers who care about building and serving passionate audiences, Marketing Showrunners is going to provide some regular content and eventually a sense of community to make it easier and more fun to develop, launch, and grow irresistible original shows. So whether you love podcasting or video or documentaries, any kind of serialized or episodic content, you can go and subscribe at unthinkablemedia.com slash subscribe. There's also a link in the show notes if you want to click it unthinkablemedia.com slash subscribe remember marketing isn't about who arrives it's about who stays subscribe to the monthly newsletter marketing showrunners and I'll respond with my contact info and five of my favorite resources to build great shows now let's get back to the story of Alex's grandfather and his desire to see his dog Rusty one more time so we're back in the car he mentions Rusty and he wants to see that dog again. I'm looking at the photos. So clearly you found him. How? Okay, so my great grandmother, she lived in
1: that home that my um, parents purchased from her that I grew up in. And like growing up, the basement, we call it the cellar, was always kind of like, it smelled weird. It was like a place that we really didn't go in. Uh, <laughs> it, it was a place that we kids like avoided there was always like piles and piles of like
0: junk down there. Come to find out, among the mess were some gems, including, of all things, a Civil War era bayonet. That's awesome. But for years, even as adults, they just left that cellar alone until one day his mother just lost it and said, you know what, we have to clean up that mess. I'm tired of it existing in my home. It's been there for years and years. Please do something about it. So Alex's two younger brothers, Middle brother, Andy, and youngest brother, Adam, rented a dumpster and cleared away all the piles of junk. And there, visible in full probably for the first time in decades, was this old wooden desk. Its two drawers locked tight. The key lost to time. No matter, Alex's dad had run a landscaping business for years, and he had a bobcat skid steer in the backyard. Those are kind of like short, squat backhoes, but without that back arm. So... I. Guess without the back hoe? I don't know. But picture a short swap back hoe with that plow in the front, that big shovel, big scoop in the front. Alex's dad owned one of those things, and so Andy and Adam brought the wooden desk out of the basement and put it in the backyard, and their dad climbed inside the Bobcat Skid Steer.
1: So he like crushes the desk and and then all these papers, like all these envelopes, like all this stuff was in there,
0: including Letters. Letters written by Terrell Cook's brothers, who had written home while serving in the Korean War. For five more years, all those letters and papers and envelopes sat inside Alex's parents' house, the last remains of that desk once it was crushed. And then, as it so often happened throughout his life, Alex grew obsessed with something new. Genealogy. In search of information about his family's history and inspired by his grandfather's suddenly sharp memory, thanks to that initial batch of photos, Alex went down into the basement and gathered up all those papers.
1: I go back to my um, condo, like I throw on some music, I'm listening to music, and I'm going through everything, like scanning in, like every all the artifacts.
0: When a tiny green envelope slips out of the pile. He picks it up, and there, scrawled in black pen, faded over the years, is the name
1: Dusty. Dusty? Dusty. Like, hmm, that sounds a bit, like, rusty, but that's not rusty. So I open it, (laughs) and, like, I think this was my first time ever having seen, like, these medium format negatives. So I didn't really know what it is that I had, but my aunt had, like, bought this really fancy uh, scanner, which came with the negative, like, feature, so I threw one of the negatives, like, in the scanner, and like, there's the dog.
0: Alex told no one. He thought back to that car ride driving his grandfather home when he told Alex with that faraway look in his eye, I would love to see my dog Rusty again. So Alex created a couple canvas prints out of these photos, and a few weeks later, on Christmas morning, presented them to his grandfather. As you hand that gift to him, what did you see on his face as he saw the photos? The second
1: that he saw, it, he knew it was he was he was just, Rusty, you know.
0: <laughs> <And> then...
1: <laughs> Did you ever tell him that it was Dusty? No. Well, he later on I found out that they used those names interchangeably, <laughs> so they would call the dog like some people call him Dusty, some call him Rusty. <laughs> yeah.
0: Up until that moment, Alex had been going through a rough period of time in his life. His startup, the one that he built out of college for a few years with brother Andy, had run out of money, which then led to that aqua hire by HubSpot. At HubSpot, he clashed with management over his decisions to move fast and push people to change their behavior using new data rather than past precedent. After the two sides agreed to part ways, Alex just kind of drifted. He tinkered on a couple projects, tried to build out a little app, had a couple consulting contracts, but he felt, admittedly, a little lost. And then he got interested in those fat bikes and riding them on the beach near his house. And I would go out, like, on the fat bike to, to the end of this beach and be, like, the only one. He started doing that on a recurring basis and picked up a daily mindfulness exercise. Around that time, he started hanging out more with his grandfather. They both had the time. And Alex even became his new barber after he gave up driving
1: doing errands, like going on adventures. Like it was incredible.
0: One of his favorite traditions was every time he'd see his grandpa, he'd stop to buy a lobster roll. It was Terrell's favorite lunch. Later on his 94th birthday, Alex decided to level up on lobsters and buy two live ones, which he then wrapped up and planned to present at Terrell's birthday party.
1: I'm like thinking in my mind, like, you know, this is a ridiculous gift. Like, and there's always this inherent, like, you know, sibling rivalry. And, um, so we get to the party and I give him the lobsters. I'm like sitting on the couch and I'm like humble bragging to myself. Like, this is hilarious. Like grandpa's holding a lobster. I'm holding a lobster. Like I got it. Best gift for sure.
0: But then Alex's younger brother, Andy passes out these little sheets of paper, all of which read "Instagrampa, text your photos to this phone number followed by a number nobody recognized.
1: And Andy's like, hey, everyone, like, you know, last night I just felt like doing some coding and like I made this quick prototype. All you got to do is like just text your pictures to the number and like I'll figure out a way to print four by six and mail them to Graham and grandpa. Like I haven't quite figured out that part of like the rest of it, but I got the first part done. (laughs) So Andy and I are like sitting there like eating our cake and he's like, want to help me build this? And I'm like. Hell yeah, man. I thought you'd never ask.
0: <laughs> Alex poured his new obsession with family and genealogy into Instagrampa. They eventually changed the name to something that I love, Nanogram. Here's how it works. When you sign up on their website, nanogram.co, you receive a unique phone number that you can text. There's no app to download, no new software. You just get this number. Throughout a given month, you can then text photos that you take on your phone to that number, adding captions if you want. And at the end of the month, Nanogram will print and ship those photos to the addresses that you've uploaded in the account. So, yeah, it's kind of like Instagram for your grandparents. And then there's this, like, fateful day. This is, like, one of my favorite moments of, like, Nanogram's evolution where, like, you post it to Reddit Oh yeah. Under the take my money, like what is it? Shut up and take my money board. And it explodes. Like it gets tons and tons and tons of traction. Was it the number one spot on that board? Is that where it it landed? Uh, So that it ended up being like number two of the year.
1: um, Oh my God. On shut up and take my money. And so like what was going through your mind and what what were you hearing from people? (laughs) Uh, Well, The comments were basically like a tidal wave of like good vibes. and um, That's
0: awesome. So why, I mean, you created this, Andy created this at first for your grandparents and you start working on it with him. Why did you see it as like a worthy project, like a worthy use of your time to extend it beyond like a cool thing for your grandparents to, you know, be a service that others can use too? Why is that important
1: to you? Mortality was always a big part of like my time with my grandfather like every time we got together he would talk about he would that was a thing um what do you mean that was a thing that was a thing like uh so he would when he had a stroke and stuff and on his on his way out like that was very challenging um but i don't because he would discuss like the inev- inevitability of his death like every time we would get together we would talk about like this is crazy that we're sitting at the side of this lake right now i can't believe this could be the last time that we hang out this could be it like that type of thing he would volunteer that he would to volunteer you. that he what would, would you what do you say back to that uh i just there was like i could never Like, when you're in his presence, my brother Adam, like, gave some words at his service. Like, when you're in his presence, like, you cannot help. It's impossible to be in a bad mood or to feel bad or to have bad feelings or feel sad. So, like, I never, it never bothered me at all. It was just, like, it was very sort of, like, black and white. And he would always talk about things similar to, like, mortality were just a fact of, like, nature and life. And and that's how it was.
0: You know, I, I think about my grandfather who has a tough time with aging because he's, he's a Navy guy. He's kind of a tough guy. Um, he's a, a, a loving, caring grandfather and father and, and friend of people, but he very much has a tough time with death and and thinking about his friends and, you know, not unlike many people. And so when he starts talking about his own mortality or talks about someone else's, I always find myself at a loss for words. And I'm somebody who does words for a living, like ostensibly. And I just don't know what to say back. So like understanding your grandfather was a very upbeat guy and made you feel good when he says this could be the last time that we are here together and that I see this lake that leaves a certain silence. And it's like your job to then maybe fill in that silence. What, what would you say? I mean, normally because
1: he was like a master of practicing gratitude. So normally I would just begin a gratitude Thing, or like a meditative state so then i would just start to notice like every little detail about where we are and really take it all in like we would go into great detail about like the clarity of the water or like the blue jay that's on the tree near us or like the sounds or like the sky or the skydivers like because there's like an airfield nearby we would just like share in that joy in that moment together.
0: Okay, so full disclosure, I'm a customer of Nanograms right now, and I have been for months. And while I was working on this story, I thought I'd take advantage of a Sunday brunch at my parents' house in Connecticut to... Interview my grandparents. Let's see. Hello, hello. Hi Grandma. Hi dear. Um I wanna know what you think of the photos that you see every month, the ones that they printed and sent to you.
2: I think they're wonderful. They're very lovely with especially because it's the baby.
0: (laughs) What uh when you have eight grandkids, is it hard to admit that I'm your favorite?
2: (laughs) Everyone's my favorite.
0: Did I just sense a wink? Did I see a wink? <laughs> <laughs> That's my grandma on my dad's side, Phil Filamine, Filomena. Philomena. She's 90 and she's the Sicilian matriarch of the family. She has four kids, including my dad, and eight grandkids. She's sweet, loving, and has a beautiful singing voice, which you can hear at the local church almost every single day in Brantford, Connecticut, where I grew up. What do you feel when you open those photos every month? Very happy to see them, that's for
2: sure. Mm-hmm. It's very... it's it, it reminds me of when I had my own children and my own grandchildren, and now there's this little one, This <laughs> is wonderful.
0: Can you explain what you want my daughter to call you?
2: I want her to call me Gigi because that stands for great-grandma, and now that apparently has become very popular.
0: And where did you get that from?
2: I got it from my good friend, May Marinelli. She has always been called Gigi and I always wondered and I didn't realize what it stood for <laughs> and then finally I realized great grandma.
0: <laughs> and there's something you there's something amazing and eye-opening about her and the number of kids in her life right now, right?
2: Oh, indeed there are. She's had 15 great uh, great-grandchildren. Now she's got 16 great-grandchildren.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is it okay that I only have one for you? Is that all right?
2: Oh, that, that's <laughs> it's all right for the present. <laughs> We look for future happenings. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what What do the photos give you access to about me that, you know, a phone call every once in a while doesn't? Like, do you feel like you know my life more or something? Or
2: Well, I feel I, I know your daughter, <laughs> which is nice. Um, yeah, no, it's great to be able to have pictures of her because you don't live close by. So I can't see her a lot, but mm-hmm. it's wonderful when I do see her.
0: What have you done with the photos, by the way?
2: Well, I'm going to put them into the album you gave me. I haven't had a chance yet, but I fully intend to. One's on the fridge, another one sits on my kitchen table. And people always ask me, why do you have a picture there? And I tell them, it makes me happy to watch her and see her in the morning because the only meal I eat at the table is breakfast. And when I get up in the morning and have my breakfast, I can watch my baby there.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. I'm going to cry. <laughs> that's, well, that's really why, all I want to know. I also want to tell you how much I love you, Grandma. Oh, I love you too, sweetie. You're a a now. <laughs> my grandma has never said a bad thing to anyone in her life, except when she's playing games with the family, because then a bizarre competitive streak starts to emerge. Like this one time playing a card game called Phase 10, she threw down her hand onto the table when somebody else won and said, Oh, you stupid... That's about as declarative and aggressive I've ever seen grandma get. And yeah, we tell that story all the time. Next, I talk to my nani, or as I like to call her, pocket nani, Because you can just pick her up and carry her around in your breast pocket. She's just that tiny. She's the incredible shrinking nani, But don't be fooled. She is fiery about everything. But especially how much she loves her daughter, my mom, and her two grandkids, me and my sister, Christina. Hello. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you think of the, the photos you get every month?
2: Oh, wonderful. Makes my day. Especially, with, of course, especially with the baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She now is part of our extended family and someone I had hoped to see and have in my life but didn't really know that I would. She's pretty great. Yes. But it's nice because it's a way of keeping in touch.
0: Are you saying you miss me, Non? I miss
2: you. I miss all of you, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I miss all the good times. And of course, I have my own albums to look through of you guys, which I cherish. And someday you'll have them. I love you, Non. I love you too. Always.
0: When you see Nani, you're greeted with a nice tender kiss on the cheek, which leaves behind her lipstick every single time. So whenever we have a family gathering, we can tell who's said hello to Nani and who hasn't because they have this stamp of love right on the side of their face. And when you say goodbye to Nani, she'll often reach up, and it's pretty far up for her for most people, and she'll cup your face in her hands and she'll say, take care of yourself. Eat right. Sleep right. I love you. She's as sweet as sweet can be. Her husband, my grandfather, is cut from a different cloth. I call him Poppy. And Poppy is a Navy veteran from World War II, a former construction worker, and the son of immigrant parents from Russia who came here because they were on the run from the Russian government as a family of Jews. And he lived as a lone Jewish family in a very Italian neighborhood, taking his lumps as he grew up. In his day, if you wanted to earn the respect from other people, well, it was about toughness. It was about not showing your emotion and being stoic and handling your stuff. So today, his favorite shows are things like Game of Thrones, or Vikings, or Outlander. That's his style. But I know him as a big softy. Okay. Hey, Poppy. Hello, hello. Oh, what's up? Uh, are you enjoying the photos? Oh, greatly. Real cool. Yes. When they come every month, what, how, how does that make you feel? Well, it boosts me right up. If I'm in a
3: crummy mood, it helps me right out. Very, very nice to get.
0: Any favorites so far that you can remember? Mm, not really. They all hit me just right. Hit me just right. Do you feel like you know more about my life because of the photos? Or why Why do you think the photos are so powerful for you?
3: Uh, that may take a long way to explain. It's in my head and not in my voice. I don't know. Because it's you, we're so close, I always felt close to you.
0: Do you remember what you used to call me when I had thin legs when I was a little kid? Sparrow. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh. And you used to call me uh about smoking, don't smoke. No yeah, don't smoke. <laughs> that sticks. You know,
0: all that yeah. stuff sticks in your head. Do you remember we went down to a we were at a seafood restaurant once and there was a guy fishing on the rocks. Do you remember what happened there? Do you remember? Yeah. Tell
3: what happened there? I thought I was going to have a beef with the guy. Well, he was fishing with a rod off the rocks, and every time he caught a sand shark, he didn't like him, you know, so he unhooked him, threw him aside on the rocks, because he didn't like him. So he used to sneak around, grab him, and throw him back in, so, you know, and the guy turned around looked, and I turned around and looked at him, just to say, let it alone. And that was that was a memorable thing. Yeah, I can remember that.
0: Do you have any other stories that you want to tell about yeah, me when I was a kid? Too many,
3: too many. Any, you know, they any. All, they, all, they all come to a big bunch of uh, love, uh, but there's so many. Don't make me get emotional. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know you're a tough guy. I know you
3: are. No, I'm not a tough guy. I just I'm me. What else? I love you for that, by the way. That, that you're you. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> Okay.
0: <laughs> okay. What is the problem that you think this service solves? Um, and why is it an important problem to solve?
1: Yeah, I, I think the fact is that like back in the day, the majority of like grandparents and great grandparents actually lived in the home with the family until they passed. Whereas now um only 1 in 5 85 plus still lives in the home
0: like in the home with family or in yeah, their home
1: in their home with family got it and so most most of our they call it the oldest old generation of 85 or older um they're not living with us and the internet has like created a problem because like old people used to have Their their value in the world used to be knowledge about, like, a great example of this is, like, (laughs) and my dad's not 85, but my dad's always trying to give me directions when I'm going places. (laughs) And I'm getting to the point where I'm going to, like, just stop and just listen. But um, every time I'm like, Dad, I I have GPS. I have GPS. So, (laughs) like, it's that. But, like, it's very, very, very amplified to the point where a lot of older people, they don't feel useful anymore. Um, so that's, like, one of the things that, that's, like, a layer for me with Nanogram, for sure.
0: The man with all these random obsessions has given up the rest of them to focus solely on Nanogram. His brother, Andy, has stepped aside to run his own software company, which was his day job when he created the original Instagram pop. Alex is now the full-time CEO. He gave up a few consulting contracts and went into credit card debt to pay his bills before he and his fiance got married. And Facebook... Owners of Instagram is starting to send lawyers sniffing his way thanks to the name. But through it all, bit by bit, this birthday gift turned company keeps growing.
1: We're nearing 500 monthly deliveries across the US and Canada, and I need to get it to like 2,000 before I can make a living.
0: Alex's next attempt at growth will be more of a B2B approach working with assisted living communities, which always have somebody internally planning a wide range of activities for their elderly residents.
1: The people who, like, do activities in these places are unreal. Like, they put a lot of effort into it. Modern-day and, Saints. Yeah, it's beautiful. So I just, I've just, i just got a vision to do, like, a monthly nanogram drop where, like, everyone can get together in one room, go through the photos. Like, maybe the grandkids could come in and go through them with them, like... And like making friends in a place like this is a challenge and, um, you know, maybe, maybe these photos could help, um, people like tell stories and form deeper friendships, like with the staff and with the other people who are living there. Amazing. Just an experiment. Sure. We'll see how it goes. Right.
2: Hi. Hi.
0: Are you dancing? Are you dancing? You're such a dancer. So, I'm back where we started. The new dad, tired, hopeful, stressed, obsessed with my daughter, and wondering, what is it about kids that makes parents and grandparents so damn happy? Alex's story doesn't really answer that for me, because I think I'm looking at this question all wrong. I think the word happy is the issue. Maybe happiness is a byproduct. It's our reaction to something else. It's the effect Caused by what? I think framing it that way, this story does reveal the answer. What is happiness caused by? Gratitude. That much I did learn working on this story, talking to my grandparents, and hearing from Alex and everything he's been through and everything he's building. Maybe, just maybe, being thankful for stuff and also sharing that you are thankful with others is what causes us to feel happy. And maybe having children is one of the most powerful and profound ways to experience gratitude. I mean, I've certainly felt nothing but gratitude since Aria came into the world. But to feel happy, to experience that effect, the cause doesn't have to be quite so profound. It could be as simple as sharing a photo with someone you love. It's about taking your grandpa to the store, or bragging to that unsuspecting shopper how much you love your grandson. It can be a feeling you have when you think about your old dog, What was his name again? Or a quiet moment by the lake as you take in each and every tiny detail. Maybe in the end, those are all that matter. Please leave a message after the tone.
2: This is Arlene Childs, and I love my nanogram photos. They are just inspirational to me. This is how I keep up with my grandchildren and children in Berea, Kentucky. I love them. Thank you so much for this idea. Hello, this is Deborah Kwiatek, and I'm giving you feedback on the Nanogram account. Um, my daughter-in-law ordered this for us as a gift a year ago, and this year, this year I was wondering if she was gonna do the same thing. And I was waiting and waiting and anticipating, and they arrived. And I have to say, I absolutely love them. It's a treasure, it's a treat. So I thank you so much and have a great day. I do love my nanograms. My grandchildren, two of my five, one lives in California and the other one is in school in Geneva, Switzerland. And every month receiving pictures of their adventures of their friends of themselves is just so much fun it keeps us uh, close so i wanted you to know how much i really appreciate having the nanograms. thank you bye-bye
0: this episode was dedicated to the memory of Terrell cook Unthinkable is hosted by me, Jay Conzo, and this episode was written and produced by me too. Reminder that if you're a marketer interested in making shows of any kind, podcasts, videos, documentaries, any serialized or episodic content, I'm launching a monthly newsletter to help bring this community together. There's so much we can learn and so few of us talk to each other that I wanna create the central education and community hub. I'm calling this newsletter Marketing Showrunners and it's the first of several different projects that I'm gonna launch to serve that group. New subscribers get a welcome note from me right away with my contact information and five of my favorite resources I've ever created to help you make great shows. To join the list and get that stuff, visit unthinkablemedia.com slash subscribe. That's unthinkablemedia.com slash subscribe or click the link in the show notes. In the meantime, remember, there's a ton of conventional thinking out there. When you're surrounded by it, maybe trust your intuition. That would be pretty unthinkable. See ya. They bought it to peoples.